0: Presence is a very powerful thing. To have someone with you is a very powerful thing. I don't know if you remember it, but learning to ride a bike is a a scary thing. But the scariness is sort of okay with uh, Dad running beside you, speaking words of encouragement, arms of safety and love, sort of outstretched protectively. There's power then in his presence. In a bit of a different direction... Our efficiency at work sort of remarkably increases in the presence of our boss. Our driving seems to be powerfully altered by the presence of a police car in our rear-view mirror. Movies are often more enjoyable in the presence of a friend. There's great power in presence. And that's what we discovered today, really. As we begin our short teaching series in the book of Joshua, we think about the power of presence, but not just the presence of anyone, the power of the presence of none other than the Lord himself. So it'd be great to have your Bible open at Joshua chapter 1, and there's an outline of the talk in the bulletin. Let me pray and ask for God's help as we read his word together. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak, that you are not silent, and that, Father, with, uh, here in this very room, with our Bibles open, Father, we anticipate hearing you and meeting with you personally in your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, whose sword this word is. And, Father, we pray as we hear you, that we hear you carefully and humbly and obediently. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, point one on your outline. The first thing we notice as we open up the book of Joshua together, although we're thinking about presence, the first thing we actually notice is absence. Absence, verse 1 of chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's a very solemn beginning uh, to this book. And in fact, this beginning signals immediately the importance and the significance of the time in which the book is is actually set. Moses has died. The leader of the people of God for the last generation is no longer with them. And what a leader he was. To help us appreciate the the greatness of of Moses' leadership, just glance with me back to the very the last three sentences of the book of Deuteronomy, the book immediately before Joshua, and chapter thirty-four, and have a look at verse ten with me. Verse ten. Deuteronomy thirty-four, verse ten. No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials. And to his whole land, for no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Moses leadership was incomparable, incomparably great. He had led the Israelites out of Egypt. He'd led them across the sea. He'd received the law from the Lord on Mount Sinai. He'd led the Israelites through the wilderness for the last 40 years. Moses was the leader of the Israelites. He in fact was the only human leader the nation of Israel Israel had ever had. The Lord had promised his people land, the land of Canaan. He'd first given the promise to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob, and then Moses now had led them to the very brink of the edge of the promised land. And yet there on the edge of the promised land Moses died. And it's there our book begins. Joshua and the Israelites on the eastern side of the Jordan River, the wrong side, if you like, the promised land on the western side of the Jordan River, and Moses absent, not with them. It's really important we try and imagine how the Israelites must have been feeling. How can we go on without Moses? How can we enter the land without Moses? What will we do without him? Imagine how Joshua must have been feeling. How could I take over from Moses? How can I lead this people as he led them? Surely Joshua must have been afraid, overwhelmed, full of self-doubt. Thinking about all that, listen to the Lord's command to Joshua in verse 2. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. It's a massive command concerning a massive task that faces the Israelites, a massive task that faces Joshua. Here they are on the wrong side of the promised land. A raging river stands between them and the land they are about to enter. The land they are to enter is occupied by other nations who are ready and willing and equipped to defend themselves. And yet the Lord's command to them is to enter without Moses, without Moses. But here's the main point of the passage. With him. With the Lord. Moses may be absent, but the Lord would certainly and graciously Be present. Point two on your outline and verse three. The Lord continues. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Now, they are some wonderful words of the Lord there spoken to Joshua, I reckon. What comfort they must have brought him. Because the task before Joshua and the Israelites is massive, but the Lord promises to be with Joshua. Just as the Lord was with Moses, so he promises to be with Joshua. Moses may be absent, but the Lord will be present in fact he will never leave him he will never forsake him and what an astonishing promise to receive don't you think what an assurance that must have been to joshua if there is power in presence then there can be no more powerful presence than the lord god and when you think about it it's in fact a wonderful truth about the lord god that He chooses to be present with his people. The true and living God of the Bible is not a God at a distance watching on from afar. People often carry that idea about God in their minds, but it's entirely false. God is not from a distance. He is the Lord who comes near. And that's true as we think backwards in the Bible, if you like. The very beginning of the Bible, he is the Lord who we read... In in the early chapters of Genesis, who walked among the trees in the Garden of Eden, walked among them with the man and the woman. How great must that have been? He is the Lord in the Bible who comes near to his people by his word. He relates to his people personally by speaking with them. He's the Lord who dwelt among his people in the tabernacle, the traveling tent that Moses constructed and traveled with the Israelites at the very center of their camp the tent of meeting, the tent of presence. He was with them. He is the Lord who was with Moses. He was with the Israelites and he would be with Joshua as they entered the promised land and occupied it. The true and living God, the Lord, is with his people. It's an astonishing truth, but a wonderful one. And of course this promise of the Lord's presence with Joshua, you don't just have to look backwards through the Bible to see it. We can look forward in time from Joshua as well, can't we? As we hear the Lord's promise to Joshua, I will be with you. Surely we hear the glorious echo of that promise in the name given to Jesus. Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Jesus God took on human flesh and for a time made his dwelling among us because he is the God who is with us. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God, he chooses to be present with his people. That's his character. It's what he does. He's not distant, but near. He's not removed, but he relates to us. He doesn't look on us from afar. He loves us up close and personally, which is wonderful. It's a profound truth about the Lord God, one that Joshua must have received with great gladness and joy. As I was with Moses, he promises, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a wonderful promise of presence. And the impact of that promise, the power of the Lord's presence can be seen in what the Lord goes on to command Joshua. So point through on your outline. And verse 6, let's look at the implications, if you like, the impact of the Lord's presence, the power of it. Verse 6, the Lord continues to speak to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. What's the impact of the Lord's presence? Strength and courage. In fact, the Lord commands Joshua to have strength and courage as he leads the people into the promised land. Strength and courage. not Please notice, not strength and courage based on his own abilities, but strength and courage arising from the very fact that the Lord would be with him. That is the power of the presence of the Lord for Joshua. See, Joshua is not the hero of this chapter. Joshua is not the hero of this book. The Lord is. In verse 3, he said that it was the Lord is the one who would give to Joshua every place where he set his foot, just as he promised. In verse 5, it's the presence of the Lord. Is, that's the reason that no one would be able to stand up against Joshua. It was the Lord who swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses that he would give this land to the Israelites and give it to them he would. And because of that, because of the Lord's faithfulness, because of the Lord's strength, Because of the Lord's sovereignty, because the Lord would be with him, Joshua was to be strong and courageous. His strength and his courage was to rest firmly and only in the presence and the power of the Lord. But but what would such strength and courage look like? What, What would that look like in the life of Joshua? Bold military tactics, daring swordsmanship. Outrageous weight training? Well, listen as the Lord goes on to describe how Joshua is to exercise his strength and courage. It's there in verse 7 Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. See, Joshua is about to lead the Israelites into a vast military deployment. And the key to his success would be a constant meditation on the word of God, would be obedience to the word of God. Which sounds like really strange military tactics, doesn't it? Until you appreciate the presence of the Lord and his promise. The Lord God Himself would be the one who would give the land to the Israelites. The Israelites, they may well be the ones who'd put on the armour and carry the swords and enter into battle, but it would be the Lord Himself who would accomplish the victories and win for them the lands. And so, because of that, Joshua's strength and courage was to be seen in his devotion and his obedience to the word of God. And let me say, for the people of God, strength and courage is always to be that. It's always to be seen in reliance and obedience to the word of God. And for us blokes, I think especially we need to understand that to be strong and courageous has nothing to do with muscles, thankfully for me, but has everything to do with reliance and obedience to the word of God. There is strength. There is courage. And Joshua was to be a picture Of the of the model, a model, if you like, of the blessed man we read of in Psalm one, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on whose law he meditates day and night. Only then, the Lord says, would Joshua be prosperous and successful. Have a look at verse nine. Verse nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go, there is the power of the presence of the Lord. No terror, no discouragement, strength and courage in him and his word. Really, you know, those opening nine verses, those words spoken by the Lord to Joshua, they really set the scene for the rest of the book. And over the next three Sundays, we're really only going to take just a sneak look at some of the action of the book. Just three quick dips, and there's so much more to benefit from. And so can I suggest it would be a great thing to set yourself the task of putting aside some time this week to read it through for yourself. Dads, can I suggest the book of Joshua would be a great thing to be reading uh, this week and perhaps the next week in our family devotion times as we're strong and courageous in our families. It's not very long at all, and it comes to us as part of the word of God that we should meditate on day and night if we seek blessing from God. But with the close of verse 9, the action begins, really. Having listened to the Lord addressing him, Joshua immediately addresses the people. He embraces, if you like, the power of the presence of the Lord, and he demonstrates his strength and courage by believing the promise of the Lord. Have a look at verse 10 with me. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Any uncertainty, any fear seems to have been swept aside by the power of the presence of the Lord for Joshua. It's what's driving his words there, isn't it? After 40 years of waiting, 40 years, in three days' time, the Israelites will cross the Jordan River and will begin to occupy the land. And what Joshua wants the officers to be confident in, it's not his leadership or their military might. He wants them to be confident in the power of the presence of the Lord. See what he says there in verse 11 to them? The Lord, their God, would give them the land for their own. That's the critical truth. See the same thing as Joshua goes on in verse from verse 12 to address the tribes of Reuben, Gad and Manasseh. Those three tribes had earlier uh, formed an agreement with Moses that when the time came to enter the promised land, they, in fact, would settle on the east side of the Jordan, but only after helping the, the other tribes occupy the promised land west of the Jordan. And so Joshua now addresses them. And listen as he does to how many times he makes reference to the Lord giving them the land. Verse 12. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Not once does Joshua refer to himself. His sole focus is the presence of the Lord and the fact that he would give them the land just as he promised. And the people share his confidence and his reliance. Verse 16, they answered Joshua, whatever you've commanded us, we'll do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. It's a really rousing opening to the book, isn't it? Hopefully it makes you keep reading. But of course, more than draw you in, this opening chapter also helps us to see the most important thing. It's a book full of action and memorable stories of battles and remarkable characters. But this first chapter makes sure that we recognize that throughout all of that, the Lord God is the hero. The Lord God is the one to watch and learn from. For the Lord God is the one who gives them the land. The Lord God gives them the victories. The Lord God is with Joshua. Joshua clearly understood that. He clearly understood here the power of the presence of the Lord. And so he was very strong and very courageous for the remainder of his life. It's interesting, you know, that the book of Joshua begins with the death of Moses and it ends with the death of Joshua. And just before Joshua dies, he makes a final speech to Israel who then, of course, are in the promised land. Come with me to chapter 23, and we'll have a sneak preview of it. Chapter 23. Chapter 23 and verse 1. Let me read and listen as I read to how Joshua's final speech echoes what we've heard in chapter 1. Verse 1, after a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Sound familiar? Back in chapter 1, the Lord called upon upon Joshua to be strong and courageous because he was with them. And listen to the aged Joshua's call now to the people of Israel. Come with me to verse 6 of chapter 23. Verse 6, Joshua speaking to Israel, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. That sounds familiar too, doesn't it? The call of the Lord upon Joshua is passed on to the people. Be strong and courageous. Be obedient to his word. Rely on the power of the presence of the Lord, our God. It's a great call. Sadly, it's one that Israel didn't heed. But it's one that we need to hear today and make sure that we do. We need to heed it for ourselves. We need to embrace and appreciate the power of the presence of the Lord in our lives. In fact, you know, when we get to the New Testament, we hear the call Repeated in the letter to the Hebrews, the promise of his presence given by the Lord to Joshua in the letter to the Hebrews is in fact applied to us. It's in Hebrews chapter 13 and it's printed on your outline. Let me read it to you in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse five. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. They are the profoundly rich words that Joshua heard. Words of assurance, words of comfort, words that were the foundation of his life of courage and strength. And, brothers and sisters, they are the words that we hear from the Lord right now, today, in this room Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And, of course, we have even more reasons for confidence in that promise of the Lord, don't we? For as we've already considered, in Jesus, the Lord has come near to be with us in the most extraordinary way in human flesh. In order to save us to be his own. The Lord came near to be with us. He died and was raised for us so as to restore us to himself. So as to bring us back into communion with him. And he has gathered us to himself in the word of the gospel. The message of Jesus. And you know what? In that moment in which he awakened our hearts and opened our eyes to the truth of that gospel... That moment in which our faith was placed in Jesus through the gospel, the Lord came near to us in the person of his Holy Spirit. He poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. In the words of Jesus, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And catch this, my father will love him and we will come to him And make our home with Him. It's in John chapter 14 and verse 23. It's astonishing, don't you reckon? In the person of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son come to us to make their home with us. How astonishing is that? Joshua would be blown away by that. That the Lord would choose to be present with us in such an intimate, personal way. He's promised to us today. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And of course, as great as the presence of the Holy Spirit is, He is but a down payment, a deposit guaranteeing our place in the ultimate promised land, the new creation itself. You know, the land that Joshua would lead the Israelites into was just a template, it was a shadow of the reality that Jesus would lead his people into a new heaven and a new earth. An eternal enjoyment of living in the presence of the Lord himself. The Apostle John in the book of the Revelation, he was shown a vision of the arrival of that new creation. And when he saw that vision, he heard a loud voice. And here's what the voice said. Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The Lord's promise to us today, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So, brothers and sisters, in the words of Hebrews chapter 13, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Like Joshua, like the Israelites, we here now in this room, we need to be strong and courageous in the Lord. For we do not yet enjoy rest in the promised land, do we? Life, as we've been thinking about this morning, remains one of struggle and hardship and suffering and pain. And there will be times when, as a Christian, we will feel isolated and alone, misunderstood and abused. But the Lord's word to us is, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Be strong and courageous in me. There may be things about our situation, our circumstances, which leave us confused, maybe even angry with God, disappointed with God, wondering why he is doing the things that he is doing. And his word to us today is, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, be strong and courageous in me. You may be the only Christian in your workplace, in your class, perhaps none of your family belong to Jesus. But the Lord's word to you is, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, be strong and courageous in me you struggle with melancholy depression no one gets it no one understands why the way why you feel the way you do you don't even understand it but the lord's word to you is never will i leave you never will i forsake you be strong and courageous in me perhaps you understand the power of presence because you are alone And you worry about growing older without a partner, without a family. And you feel that there is no one there for you. But the Lord's word to you is, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Be strong and courageous in me. Perhaps as a parent you find yourself swamped. Swamped by the needs of your children. Swamped by tiredness. Swamped by fears for their future. For their well-being. And the Lord's word to you is never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Be strong and courageous in me. Maybe it's security you crave. You worry about money. You worry about not owning the house. You worry about your future. Or maybe it's just this decision that is looming on your horizon and the uncertainty of the consequences frighten you. The Lord's word to you is. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Be strong and courageous in me. Brothers and sisters, it is an incredible truth. But through Jesus, by his spirit, the Lord truly is with us. Present with us and in us and for us. And he is leading and guiding us to a future in which he will wipe every tear from our eyes and we will enjoy life with him forever. The path to that future will inevitably be difficult. The Lord promises nothing different, but we do not make that journey on our own. We don't make the journey on our own. And so we meditate upon his word. We turn neither to the left nor to the right, We obey his word. We trust his promises. We are strong and courageous in him. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid.